Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Good to see all of you. I'm glad all of you are here. We have Tony. It's awesome to have you here. I'm glad you're here. So uh, let me open in prayer. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for another wonderful Shabbat. Um, we just thank you for all the things that, uh, and the blessings that you've given us through the week here. And Father, we come, we want to understand your words. We want to grow closer to you in your Messiah, Father. So will you be with us today, Father, as we look at your words and look at the words of your Son so we can walk away empowered and with your Spirit, even getting closer to you, Father. Again, we thank you for all that you do for us. Amen. So we, uh, we will be uh, starting or going to start where we left off last week, and that was Matthew uh, chapter 19, verse uh, 23. Hopefully we, we will finish chapter 19 today. Um, so if, and again, if you have any questions, you just raise your hand, the mic will come to you, and all we ask that, you, uh, that your comments will be on point is a key. And kind of short, okay? So, and making them brief. So, with that being said, let's just get into our text here. So, Matthew 19. Um, did I say 20? I probably wrote that wrong. Matthew 19, verse 13. I'm sorry about that. When the young children were brought to him uh, to lay uh, his hands on them and pray, and the taught ones rebuked him, rebuked them. And Yeshua said, Allow the young children and do not stop them from coming to me, for of such is the reign of the heavens or the kingdom of the heavens. And having laid hands on them, he left from there. So I kind of wanted to focus on this one point here, and it's. Uh, so he isn't just trying to be saying be nice to kids, okay? Which um, which he is, but there's more to what to what I believe why this is emphasized here or why it's recorded for us. So, so where I believe is Yeshua is exercising the principles of the Torah, the principles of the things that have been written down before, the commandments, the word of Elohim, okay? And what I mean by that is, if we go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, it has this. And this is the command, the laws and the right rulings which Yahweh, your Elohim, has commanded to teach you to do in the land which you are uh, passing over to possess. Uh, so that the fear of Yahweh, your Elohim, to guard all his laws and his commands which I'm commanding you, uh, commanding you, you and your son and your grandsons all the days of your life, and that your days be prolonged, and you shall and you shall hear, O Israel, and shall guard to do that 
that uh, it might be well with you and that you increase greatly as Yahuwah Elohim of your fathers has spoken to you in the land flowing with milk and honey. So here is Moses recapping the new generation, but he's emphasizing this whole thing about, you know, to your sons and your grandsons. So that means there's this continuation, there's children involved here, okay? So that's what I see where, what Messiah is kind of focusing on. And it's found here in Deuteronomy uh, 6.1, and it's also found in other places as well. So real quick before we go to the rest of uh, Deuteronomy here, Exodus 22, um, it says this, and see the highlight uh, that I highlighted there? And I thought this was interesting because it's the wording that you'll find here and that your days may be prolonged, okay? So he's commanding this idea that your days may be prolonged. You know where else that shows up? It also shows up in Exodus 22 when he's giving the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai for, uh, uh, for the first time to them, telling them. And it says, respect your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged on the soil which your Elohim is giving you. So my whole thing is like, oh, this prolonged. So you have these commandments, in a sense, that are here in Deuteronomy that are to the fathers and mothers okay, or, or to ultimately our Heavenly Father, but yet you see how it's correlated with honoring your father and mother. So it's one of those, to me, it's one of those commandments, if we're honoring our Father in Heaven, then at the same time we ought to be, you know, to prolong our days, we ought to honor our father and mothers here as well. There's where I see the connection uh, to the two of them. So, and again, if you have any comments, just raise your hand and the mic will get, come to you. So let's go on with Deuteronomy 6 here. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh your Elohim, Yahweh is Echad, one. And you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be in your heart. And you shall impress them upon your children and shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them as a sign on your hands, what you do, and you shall be as frontlets before your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and upon your gates. So it's kind of interesting here this whole idea, see that's where I think it's important where Messiah was addressing the children in this manner to that generation, you know, have them come unto me, you know, they, you know, don't, so it's, yes, it is being nice to children, but I think if there's something much, much deeper there, because if they're not part of the group, they're not going to learn, and what are you going to have, as we've seen here so many times, not, not just in America, but just through humanity in general, the next generation, if they're not taught, what do you have? It, you know, you have this breakdown. So, so he was, um, and it's, go ahead, Barry, I'll let you go first before I continue. It's, it's just a comment um, based on my own life experience that uh, I did not walk in a way that was right and and now I see my one uh, I see my daughters with difficulties that they have with their relationships that I know if I were walking the Torah and showing the example as it says we're to do they wouldn't have 
to experience the difficulties that they are that they are experiencing. That's that's my comment. Mm, thank you, Barry. Yes, and I, and I we we have to recognize that. So and so we have to see. Uh, in some ways, Messiah, to me, is putting the children, there is an importance there on the children, okay? Um, now, here's the, uh, the other thing is, it's kind of interesting. We just celebrated Passover, the, the Pesach, okay? And Exodus 13 says this, okay? And you shall inform your sons in that day, saying, it is because of Yahuwah, uh, what Yahuwah did for you, I came up uh, that you came up out of Egypt, okay? And you shall, and it shall be a sign upon your hand, and as a reminder between your eyes that the Torah of Yahweh is to be in your mouth. For with a strong hand Yahweh has brought you out of Egypt, and you shall guard this law, this appointed time, from year to year. And then it goes on. Uh, there and it shall be that your sons ask you in the time of saying what is this what is this feast what are these commandments what is all this stuff okay and then you are say to him by the strength of the hand of Yahweh the Almighty has brought us out of Egypt brought us out of the bondage of the house of Egypt so you can see so when Messiah is saying with the to me Bring, make sure the children come unto him. It's going back to this whole, this whole idea that was uh, a foundational principle from the beginning, or at least we see in Exodus very clearly. Okay, so this is something that's ingrained and that should be there. So, so it's not, don't dismiss the children. And as most of uh, people know here in our community, you'll see the kids are with us here. They're not segregated, segregated out. out. And... Uh, and there's obviously, you know, there might be some kind of, might be viewed upon a little difficulty with that. But you know what? We adults, we get over it and we, <laughs> and it, I can't tell you as many times I've been up here or Mark be up here and we have a two-year-old spinning right next to us. But we can continue on. But what I found out, especially with Passover, for instance, my nephew uh, came to me uh, this when we celebrated Passover. I think he's five. Uh, I, I believe he's five, but through the Passover, he had this question. He asked his mom, you know, my sister, he goes, they threw babies in the Nile? He was listening, all right? So that's a concept. Then later on, he goes, where'd God come from? Okay, this is a five-year-old. So if we do our due diligence, those things, as they grow, okay, they will, you know, that's embedding the seed, the words of Elohim in them. I just think that's amazing, okay? So, again, it is the importance of the children, I think, in that manner, you know, making sure they're there, they hear us, they see what we do, they see how we act, um, with all the faults as well. Okay, and how we handle it. Okay. Now let me. I'll go. Let me see what I have next here. Oh, and oh, two. And this is the other thing I noticed, um, especially in in the Shema in this section, the way it's worded. Uh, a sister of our brought forth uh, how the grammar's working in the Hebrew. 
And it's not only the community to teach the children, okay? Actually, the weightier part that it's within, uh, within the Hebrew, the weightier part is on the parents and the family, okay? In the past, when it was Assemblies of God, a good friend of mine, I worked with the children's uh, ministry a lot uh, because I was, I, know, I was able to design things and things like that. They put my talents to work there. But I'd grown close to the children's pastor there. And, but he always mentioned this. He goes, you know, the kids come in and he says, if the parents would just reinforce the things that he's giving, it would go so much better. But most of the time it was they would, the kids would come to class or the Sunday school, that type of thing. And the parents never backed up any of those things or never really read their Bible to know that, never did. So, you know, it has to come from the family. It has to come from mom and dad, okay? And the community is the, is the second wall enforcement, okay? So, and that's something I know that comes directly from a children's pastor that he, he saw over years and years of teaching kids along with their, you know, with the situations that he had. So, so when the young children were brought to him, he laid hands on them, he prayed to them, he says, okay, um, and, but Yeshua said, allow the, children, uh, uh, allow the children and do not stop them from coming to me, for such is the reign of the heavens, and it's interesting, such is the reign, such is the kingdom of heaven. So you, the, you see Messiah associating the children with kingdom, with the kingdom of heaven, Okay? Such is the kingdom. So if, so you could say, so if, if you're in the kingdom, you should be celebrating the feasts. We just read that in Deuteronomy because you're supposed to go teach your children these things. All right? So if you're thinking you're in the kingdom, then these are some of the things you should be doing. And, and it's Passover and not Easter. Okay? We have to see the difference between that. So, so in some way, Easter is not a kingdom feast, okay? Especially when Messiah do this in remembrance of me, he's referring back to Passover, that whole story that they were learning thousands and thousands of years, generations after generations. So he was using that foundation to show you a bigger picture, but that does not gate to, get to continue to do that, okay? Here's another thought. We believe Yeshua, the Messiah, is the words made flesh, right? Right? Because in John it says, And the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his glory, his esteem, the esteem of the only brought forth of the Father, the only Son brought forth from the Father, complete in favor and truth. All right? So if we believe that, then when Messiah is saying, have the children come unto me, oh, it starts getting pretty weighty there, right? So he's saying, so if he's the word made flesh in the living Torah, as we would say here, Yahshua, little children, come to the Torah. Come to the kingdom. And... We saw past in Matthew how he used um, little ones, another example of the little ones, and how he crisscrossed that with believers, even us. So, 
in a sense, Messiah is saying, come unto the Torah, come unto the word of Elohim. Do not throw the kids away. Have them come to that. Have them come to the words. Have them come to the Bible. Another way it would be saying it. The word of Elohim, the Torah of Elohim. Yes, John. So, just a little, looking at it a little bit different. Maybe they weren't, he wasn't, and I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe they didn't rebuke him because he didn't show regard uh, to the children, but that the children re weren't being taught by them, the taught ones, the way they wanted to teach them. They don't have any problem teaching the children, but they want to teach them, you know, through Pharisaic understanding. That very well could be as and, well, too. And the Messiah is saying, you know, you should, the children need to learn the Torah from the Torah. Let, let them, let it be unfiltered. Yes. No, I, I can see that. It's, it's easier to learn something from scratch than to unlearn something that you were taught for the longest time. And we're all learning that. We're all aware of that <laughs> in spades. So. And Polly had her hand up. In addition to that and what you have been sharing, it's possible only because I look at the scripture through this lens of the, restored the rest restoration of the whole house of Israel. And because I know that Yeshua came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, what the, what's happening here is he, he, they're being brought to the master for him to lay his hands upon them. They're rebuking them. It sounds like the rebuke is because they're not wanting him laying his hands upon them and praying whatever he, it is that he's praying. It's interesting that um, one of the... Uh, concept we've been looking at, we found a document uh, back in the 1800s where uh, Judah was looking for their lost brothers. They know they had been sent into exile and they had located where some of them were and they are writing to them saying, we hear there is a um, ordained among you, mm -hmm. someone who had been laid on hands by someone who had, was ordained to lay hands because he had been um, ordained by someone like we see um, that a passing of the authority, the passing of the anointing or the authority yeah. upon them. They knew that they just couldn't rise up someone as a teacher from among them. They were looking for someone who had already been anointed or appointed as a teacher to lay hands on those that would become teachers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, or those yes. that would, would rise up and become. So it's possible, because I'm looking at this through that lens, that he was laying hands upon those children that were from the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because he was raising up those that would become those that would continue to restore the reign of the heavens, which is the whole house of Israel, being restored back mm -hmm. and he maybe he was being possibly rebuked for saying wait a minute what are you doing who's who's uh, who uh, whose ordination or whose anointing are you operating under because you're not operating under us yeah oh no that's very well because we do know the historically where this is set and we do know uh, uh, Judah at that time and how they felt what this uh, um, with the northern uh, uh, northern people, so no, and but and the, uh, thank you, Polly, because what I think is you see it's interesting how not only in the New Testament the way things are worded, it's kind of open, okay, um, but in in the old too, 
So it's, it's interesting the way things are worded if we sit back and think and apply principles that we already know, you know, and there's probably much, much more here that we don't know. But if we, you know, if we pick up a book and we read more about the cultural right at that time, all of a sudden more might flow in, you know, on how the behavior, why they behave in certain ways they did. And actually some of that will play on here as we continue in Matthew. So thank you, Polly. So Matthew goes on and see, one of them came, uh, came and said to him, good teacher, what good shall I do to have everlasting life? And he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except one, Elohim. But if you wish to enter into life, guard the commandments. And he said to him, which? And Yeshua said, you shall, do, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, respect your mother, your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, real quick, how Messiah ends up, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's just trying to, he's telling this guy, there's a list of things, okay? But I'm going to sum it up real quick, all right? So that's whenever you hear love your neighbor as yourself, okay? It's, it's like one of those bookends. It's, in a sense, there's a lot that comes along with that statement, okay? So let's go on. And the young man said to him, all these I have watched over from my youth. What do I still lack? And Yeshua said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in the heavens, and come follow me. And then the young man heard, uh, heard the word. He went away sad because he had many possessions. Now, it's interesting. So here I... I do want to get your comments and your, ins your insights on this as we go along because I started breaking this down and looking at this, okay? First he says, good teacher. Then he says, what one good act, you know? And then he calls him good rabbi. Does this guy really know him? Or, you know, he recognized that he was some kind of rabbi. Was he testing him necessarily? I don't necessarily see that here because uh, we've seen other places where people came kind of testing Messiah. I think there was a genuineness in there, possibly. I, I, I don't know. I think he's John? But buttering him up a little bit. Good teacher. Good teacher, yeah. I he's mean, buttering up, him it, up a Yeah, that f flattery right out of him. I don't know. And what good things shall I do that I may require the life of the world to come, is how it, some other translations remark. So it seems like there's this one act in some of what he's saying. I don't know. Okay, yeah, because he, he does mention, well, I know all those commandments, but is there one thing that I can do that guarantees me the kingdom? Is that what he's saying here? Because he does kind of point out one thing. But again, that might be the verbiage meaning more... Is there just one commandment that will guarantee eternal life? Robbie? Yes. Well, what I find interesting is he just kind of dismisses the question, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, Messiah? It's, like, it's almost like, uh, I want to, where do I go to get my get out of hell free card, as I like to call it? In some ways, yeah. 
and he's, he, he's just ignoring the question. The Messiah is. He does, and we, have we not seen that? How some alive? I mean, he's answering it, but he's answering it the way he should be. That he's, he's, I believe he's addressing the situation that's really going on. Right. He says, you do these things, you don't got to worry about anything else. Just mm -hmm. do this. <laughs> Thank you, John. So, is there, uh, and it's this other part, the part it reads, there is none good but one. That is Shema, or the Shema talk, where it says, Hear, O Israel, Yahuwah, or Yahweh, your Elohim, Yahweh, your God, is Echad, one. So there's that talk in there. So it's going back to the commandments. And if you haven't noticed already how I've, looked, how I've been trying to introduce this, Messiah is always going back to the old. He's not rewriting anything. Everything that he's bringing forth has been set down. And he says, and that is God. That is the only good that's here. Okay? Now, real quick, there's this idea of eternal life that's going on here. Um, some of the Aramaic says life eternal or eternal life. The Greek, some of the Greek also have eternal life um, or life of the world to come. It's, you know... It's the same wording, it's meaning the same, same thing. And all this is actually, it's coming from Exodus, coming from Deuteronomy, more from Exodus and, and uh, um, Leviticus as well, all these concepts. So it really, is, so far he's coming down, obeying the commandments gets you life and life eternal. That's one thing that we can get from what Messiah just said. So if you want eternal life, do the commandments. Do this lifestyle. And that's the words of the Messiah. Okay? And yeah, you might want to argue, well, he hadn't died yet and things. No, no. Hey, I don't see Messiah's ever going to change. What he says on this side of the cross and on that side of the cross, they've got to be one and the same thing. So the commandments actually are eternal life. Especially if we just saw that he is those, those words manifested and made flesh. And he wants us to be that. He wants us to be those commandments in the flesh for him. No, no difference. So. so obeying the commandments gets you life and life eternal. And it's interesting in verse 21 there. And, uh, let me see, 21. And Yeshua said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in the heavens, and follow after me. Now, uh, verse 21, and, and another, uh, one of the translations in the Aramaic adds, Take up your gallows. Okay? It's added in some of the... Uh, uh, the Aramaic writings is that. Now, does that remember, remember how we went over that one? Uh, oh, uh, in Matthew, he talked, take up your stake, take up your cross and follow me. Okay? And remember, so we can look at this in some ways here, at least from that one translation, which it does, it's not really contradicting anything here because we know Messiah said this before. So, he says, if you uh, come follow me. And that whole idea was, that take up your cross or take up your gallows, take up your stake, 
Remember we went over that and it was basically saying, take your self-authority and do it. Take personal responsibility, personal authority of your life and follow after me and those commandments. Yes, Paul. Uh, one, of the, one of the translations I'm looking at, wow, this makes me sound loud here. Um, if you wish to be perfect, well, another word would be complete. Um, and since he was asking what he lacked, and Yeshua being able to read his heart, then certainly he was incomplete. He may have watched over the commandments, but um, we can say that the scribes and Pharisees were keepers of the commandments. But did they get the, the, the meaning or the sense of what was spoken there? So when he's telling him to give to the poor, then that's extending it beyond uh, a little bit in terms of the understanding. How am I supposed to handle my riches? How am I supposed to handle my wealth and you know, share and give? So he's still lacking something. Yeah, he's obvious, he's yes. incomplete or else he wouldn't have asked the question himself. Yes. No, that's great. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Thank you, Paul, because you mentioned it, that completeness, right? And it's interesting. Um, uh, other translations in the Aramaic would come over. And Yahshua said to him, if you will be, be wholehearted, which that's the concept of being complete, wholehearted, with all your being, you know, not just because we did see how he... he Kind of, yes, I did all these in my life, but is there just one? Can I kind of get rid of nine? Is there just one that I can keep and still be good? I don't know. I, I, I'm speculating here, but yet, at the same time, is this what we sometimes reason amongst us, being believers? Well, if we could put that one off to the side, as long as I get this much, it's good, right? And we can't allow that to come into our minds or in our theologies, it, it just doesn't work. Yes, his grace is sufficient enough, but that doesn't no excuse not to be full-hearted after him. Polly. So to add what you're saying about his grace is sufficient, a lot of times when we talk about this, people will say, well, you are, what you're saying is you're saved by your works. It's your, what you're doing is saving you. But if you look a little bit closer, this is a man who's already chosen everlasting life. He wants to know, how do I have everlasting life? It's a choice he's already made to walk into everlasting life. And so coming from uh, one that was cut off and now brought back in by the atoning work of Messiah, now that I am saved and I know my Redeemer, now what I'm to do? I do these things because of my salvation, because of my redemption, not to receive that. I received that by the grace and by a choice that I made. But now that I've made that choice, just as this man did, now what are we to do? And he says, what you're to do now that you've chose everlasting life, guard the commands. Yeah. No, thank you, Paul. And it's interesting you say that because Paul even addresses this, and I'm sorry I don't know the address of it, but Paul even says, how shall we live then? <laughs> and he goes, you do the commandments. That's how you live out your life now. Okay? And it's in perfect accordance with Messiah before and after what he's done for us. So how, um, how should we understand this, uh, this about money and possessions? Okay? John, I ahead. have a strong opinion, but we don't have time, anywhere near an amount of time to get into it. So if you're going to talk about it next week, I'll be glad to comment. We'll see how it goes. Uh, 
So, stay, stay tuned. All right. So uh, this idea about money and possessions, okay? Because um, first let's read uh, what he said earlier in Matthew, okay? Earlier in Matthew 6.4. But if your eye is evil, meaning stingy, and your body shall be darkened, okay? If then the light that is within you is darkness, how great that darkness no one is able to serve two masters, for either he shall hate the one and love the other, or else he shall cleave to the one and despise the other. You are not able to serve Elohim and mammon. And this whole concept is uh, money or wealth. You can't serve money and wealth and serve him at the same time. Because it seems like some ways, okay, this is against the rich people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> If you got money, you're going to hell. You have no, ch no chance, right, in some ways. So the context of the whole book of Matthew, uh, we, and actually, we have to take Messiah's words all in context, all of Matthew, and for that matter, all of Scripture and its principles as we weigh through this. So serving two masters. Go ahead, um, Joe. Okay, uh, the... When uh, Yeshua asked the, the guy, uh, when, he, when the guy asked Yeshua, how do I have eternal life? And Yeshua gave him the most basic things that he has to give up. And the guy kind of reasoned within himself, well, I don't want to give everything up, so, but I want to keep one thing for myself. But God gave him the, the opportunity to surrender his very life to Hashua. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's playing a part in here. So, yeah, so what we're going to do, we'll read on. And thank you, Joe. Well, let's read on here, Matthew 19, 16. And see, one came and said to him, uh, oh, I'm sorry, good teacher. Oh, the, uh, this is what I wanted to point out here. Because the young man went away troubled because he had great possessions. And we'll read here in just a bit, there was other people troubled at this as well, okay? The taught ones were troubled at what Messiah <laughs> responded as well. And, and it seemed like they didn't have much. <laughs> they were, so it bothered them. So let's read for, to get uh, more of that conversation as this goes on, John. Oh, I thought we had to quit it. Too. My, my bad. So I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, we, Yeshua is the Torah in the flesh, so he can't contradict what the Torah says. Correct. The Torah says, if you do these things, you are going to be blessed. Right? You, you, it shouldn't be a problem for you. The hounds of heaven will chase you down to bless you. It's like how I like to think about it. So how does that work with what he's saying here. He's almost saying you have to be, uh, a, uh, you know, and I don't know if what the legal term is, but, but a vagabond, a, a someone who has no possessions whatsoever. There seems to be a contradiction. No, the, and I think that's And that's what's what you're going to get into, right? Yes, because I think that's what's bothering the, you know, the young man went away troubled. Now the apostles are like, whoa, they're troubled at this whole concept as well. 
So it goes on, 23, and Yeshua said to his taught ones, truly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter into the reign, the reign of the heavens or the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for the rich man to enter the, the reign or the kingdom of Elohim. So first I want to address real quick this, a camel through the eye of the needle, Okay. And I'm going to give you my, my research on this, okay? Uh, okay? But in Aramaic, it doesn't read that way. Uh, Aramaic word for gamal means rope or camel. It can mean both, okay? So in some sense, it's this large rope to go through the eye of a needle, not necessarily a camel, okay? Um, and that's due to possibly the rope is being made out of camel hair, that type of com, uh, uh, concept. And evidence of this also comes from the 10th century Aramaic um, where the meaning is a large rope uh, that also binds ships. So in other writings this word is used and it doesn't mean the camel is locking down the ships. Obviously it's meaning those large ropes are holding down ships. Okay, And there is some late Greek New Testament manuscripts that do have rope or cable, all right? Now, I, in some ways, I didn't want to go too much on this, but I found some fascinating things here, okay? There is rabbinical writings about the needle. I know this is kind of a little sidetrack, but we'll get back to the rich man and all this, because this kind of plays a part, maybe, okay? So there is rabbinical writings about the, the, eye on, the eye of a needle and that figures of speech, meaning something being almost impossible, okay? Uh, Jewish writings also use the eye of the needle as a picture of a very small place. And this is interesting. So a, needle, a needle's eye is not uh, too narrow for two friends, it says. But the world is not wide enough for two enemies. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So that concept is, you know, and that's from the Babylonian Talmud. You know, so... That concept, it, you know, it does exist. So Messiah, you know, there is this possibility in some ways. Messiah is used saying camel and not necessarily rope. But really, out of all of it, it does come down to a, a, something that's being difficult to accomplish. Sister, I'll let you. Um, I learned a long time ago of uh, a word somebody teach me. We need to give it by grace, but we receive it by grace. That I mean is when you know self finishes, you have possession of things, and you you see another in trouble and problem. Is one of the the word I learn is you need to be sharing, helping the people without they asking you. You know that's why the rich men don't want to follow Yeshua because he don't wanna let go his possession because he's a very self finishes. He's attached at the material things in the world. Mm -hmm. No, yes. No, and that's something we do see, and that's, it's, it's something that we have to look at. Because when looking at it, it does uh, look, at one hand, it looks like having money is bad. Okay? It, it, you know what I mean? It does. But I don't see it necessarily. But I do see Messiah, let's say, who he is. Um, recognizing certain things and who he's talking to, okay? 
So maybe he did, obviously he did know more information about the gentleman, but on face value, maybe he gathered certain things uh, about this, especially maybe how he was talking, you know, uh, about having, oh, is there one thing? But let's go on here. Matthew 19, 25. And when his taught ones heard it, they were very astonished, saying, who then is able to be saved? So you see, the apostles were even shocked at this comment because who then can be saved? And looking intently, Yeshua said to them, with men this is impossible, with Elohim all is possible. Okay, so at first the, a rich can't get into heaven. Then the apostle says, okay, then can anyone be saved? And Messiah says, oh, everything's possible with God. What's going on? So all of a sudden, <laughs> if God gives me the money, then I'm in. <laughs> but if I get the money outside and it's not God, I can't get in. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. So it, these are just things that you had, you have to question or you look at, and and this is we may have to come back next week on this as well. Um, did I see another hand up? Yes, Barry. He took your mic from you, did he? <laughs> we got five minutes, so. <laughs> short comment, short comment. Okay. Um, one is I've heard that, that uh, as other rabbis tend to use extremes to give comparisons, so was Yeshua, as a rabbi, giving uh, an extreme comparison. Not saying impossible, but giving extreme comparison as, an, as a comparison for, for them to be, you know, to, to look at. Not to say impossible, but mm -hmm. extreme comparison. Something to analyze. Yeah, Something I analyze. agree with you. I see that in the writings. The second thing that I, that I see is God wants us, I believe, it is my belief, that God mm -hmm. wants us to trust him, to be thankful for what we receive, that, that what we have is gift from him not not of our own invention not of our own um, um, saying how wonderful we are um, and therefore if if it's trust in him if we had nothing we'd live because he provided something that we needed mm-hmm oh thank you so let, let me go on here and maybe we can finish this this uh, and looking intent, oh, then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all to follow you. What then shall we have? So this, now there's this idea of possessions going on, okay? And Yeshua said to them, Truly I say to you that the son of Adam sits on the throne of his glory. You who have followed me in the rebirth, so... We're probably going to have to come back next week on all this, too. In the rebirth, because I have some things on that as well. Also, sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. All of a sudden, you're getting blessing. It sounds like blessing's bad. Now you're getting blessing, right? And you shall inherit everlasting life. But many who are first shall be last, and the last first. So, sister, I'll let you go. Real quick, too. Um, exactly what this is saying is that about um, 
to um, get rid of your possessions and give to the poor. And what it's saying about you shall receive a hundredfold is you don't know how many times I've been like at the red light and see someone there asking for money and I literally have like $3 in my wallet and I don't know how I'm gonna get groceries the next day or whatever. And I give that to them, just something comes over me and I'm really full, give it to them. Or I just see somebody like in front of a Circle K or something and just feel the need to give it to them. And I don't know how many times that all of a sudden I would get blessed back. And then the other thing that you were saying about um, uh, that if you get money from someone that it's bad, but if you get money from God, it's good or whatever. And you were yeah, saying that. that what I get from that, just my view of it, is that it's how you get your money. Like if you're, you know, robbing a bank or if you're doing something bad or you're, you know, just the way someone gets their money, then when you get that money, it's like evil money. It's like bad money. Yeah. Well, there's a lifestyle that's yeah. involved way and before then when that. You spend they're going to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, but like if you're getting money by this or by doing, you know, works of God type of work and you're getting receiving money, then that's like the good, like blessed money. Like I just see it that way, like the difference. Sorry. Awesome. So what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to... If you guys go and read this in Matthew 19, we'll return next week. And maybe you even have some more, like, what's going on here? More questions. So, so let me close now, because so, I don't want to finish, like, halfway through this or whatever. So let's finish up next week on this, because there's other things that I think are interesting here. So, Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you how you teach us, how you bring us along and make us think. And, Father, you are... You are our creator, and you have given us common sense and so many things as well. But you know what, Father? We find ourselves in this world, and we need your wisdom and your insight to work through all these. But you are a good Elohim. We know that, and we trust in your words, Father. Again, Father, we thank you that your words became flesh, and he has dwelt among us, Father. Your only brought forth son, Yahushua. You are the eternal one of Israel, and we thank you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad you all come. Those online will be back, and good to have you come back next week, and we'll finish this up, okay? Thank you, Ralphie. Thank you, guys.